You ready for this? I'm ready. ready. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get fixing. (laughs) Please, dear God, keep that in whatever version that you do in the final, like, holy shit. You made my remote fall from, like, across the room. All right. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Welcome to Eclipse to Heroes podcast. My name is Keisha. And I'm Rachel. And this week, we are going to be discussing episode 13 of season one, The Fix. So, Rachel, do we have any old business that we need to wrap up from last week's episode? In fact, we do. Uh, Hey. (laughs) If you remember in last week's episode... We talked a bit about Nikki and how many cliffhangers she had, or we thought she had. And so I decided to go back and check every one of the episodes so far and see who had the very last cliffhanger in every episode and who had the most. So I haven't told Keisha yet, so take a wild guess who you think has the most cliffhangers. Oh, man. Okay. So it's not Nikki. It could be. Out of anyone, who you think has the oh, most for 12 episodes? Bastard. All right. Um, you know what? I'm gonna be brave and say hero yes it is hero mm. yes i'm the best hero has the most cliffhangers with six Yeta. and two of those were shared with peter so that goes into the peter count I, I almost said peter but i was like no wait that's not right peter has had four cliffhangers at the end of the episode mm. uh claire has only had one yeah. and that was her autopsy cliffhanger nikki has in that's fact one, had though. three cliffhangers well, that's still quite a few. Yes, it is. And then, um, except for, and that was pretty much it until today's episode where Siler and HRG got their first cliffhanger. Aww. Yes. Otherwise, it's mostly been Hero, Peter, and Nikki. That seems really correct for season one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Yes. Because like you said in the episode, they do a lot of the, like, multiple kind of, like, cliffhangers at the end. But I, yes. yes, but I went by the one who had the very final note before the to be continued of the episode. Oh, yeah. No, that's the only way to properly do it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So we thought Nikki had four, but she had three. So, but still we were close. <laughs> we were close anyway. Still a lot. Yeah. Shit. Yes, ma'am. So, yeah, that was pretty much it. I wrote down what all of them were, but I'm not going to go into it. It's fine. And it, the funny thing about Heroes is, like, he had a lot of his, like, back-to-back, because he had all of the cliffhangers during his the Charlie saga. It was pretty Ooh, much him. Yeah, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about just the Charlie stuff, which, yeah, that would make sense for him having a bunch. I just was thinking, he's such a central figure in early season one, especially. I was like, yeah, I'm going to say Hero, because he's in, like, almost every episode as well. So. Mm-hmm. I might keep the list going, and we'll check back in at the finale, see who had the most overall. Yeah, that'd be fun. That's like how uh, one time I endeavored, and I don't even think it was when the show had fully aired all of its seasons, I endeavored to uh, try to come up with Siler's body count. (laughs) Yep. And I just went back and like, yeah, it's a lot. It's much more than you would think. (laughs) He's a bad man, Keisha. He's a bad man. (laughs) <laughs> He's one of the most prolific serial killers in their version of American history. <laughs> but I digress. Alrighty. Well, now that we've got our, our cliffhangers <laughs> all sorted, shall we shall we get into this week's episode? Yeah, 
sure. <laughs> All right. All right, Rachel, let's get fixin'. So <laughs> let's get fixin'. <laughs> uh, I believe you are going to kick things off for us with uh, people I don't want to talk about anymore. <laughs> yeah, aka the not this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be talking about the marital trouble mm. double duo, <laughs> which is uh, Nikki and the Sanders family, and Matt and Janice. But first, we'll start with Nikki. Just because that's where I feel like starting. <laughs> so, as you remember from the last episode, Nikki got her, um, they pulled the psych card. Multiple personalities, disassociated identity disorder. Sorry, Valkyrie, we think has a friend across the yard that we discovered the other day. And we think she's talking to that cat. <laughs> Hello? Is it me? And I'm annoyed a little because it was a really, really good flow that we had going, but it's also so cute. (laughs) Kitty baby. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. There's like a kitty friend she can see, and I I it might be out. I don't know. (laughs) Oh my god. Well, you're the best. I love you so much. A good baby. What a baby. Oh. What a joy. What a pleasure. So, yeah, Nikki's crazy. Do go on. Okay. <laughs> um, oh. Anyway. Nikki, or rather, Jessica got her way to go into a psych ward. Because really, it was kind of Jessica's idea. She didn't want to go down. She doesn't want to die. She's protecting herself. Well, it's smart because they're easier to escape, usually, than uh, than actual prisons. Also so. that. So we see Nikki getting an injection in the padded cell. And then after a few other scenes, we see her laying in the cell, but no longer straight jacketed. And she flips out. She's like, no, 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 no. Why am I awake? I need the drugs. The drugs will keep Jessica weak because that straight jacket won't hold her anyway. That doesn't matter. And there's a psychiatrist sitting there. And she's like, no, I'm here to help you, Nikki. And... Nikki's just like, you can't fix me. Just get out. And so the psychiatrist eventually relents and leaves. And then we go over to DL and Micah. And DL's not having a great time right now. He's on the phone with someone asking for a little help with money for rent. And Micah overhears the whole thing. And Micah, as a child would react, is like, dude, where's my lunchbox? And they have a big argument about the lunchbox, which was apparently left in the car that is at the shop. And he's like, you lost my lunchbox. Mom always has my lunchbox in my bag. I'm not your mom. <laughs> and then Mike is like, you know what, Dad? It wasn't easy for Mom either, but she always found some way to make money. And I was like, oh, calm down, Micah. Honestly. <laughs> calm down, child. It's literally my only note in this part is just going, I forgot what kind of an asshole Micah is <laughs> to DL a little bit. Oh, ma'am. I mean, Nikki yeah. did her best. And DL right now, like, he's just been thrust back into this without Nikki. He needs yeah. a little bit of time, Micah. Chill. <laughs> yeah, chill the hell out. <laughs> Don't leave your lunchbox everywhere. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, DL's in crisis, and how does he handle this crisis? He decides to use his power to visit his wife in her padded cell. So he phases on through, 
And it seems like he's going to do more than just a visit because he's trying to think like, all right, how can I face someone else through a wall? It's like, if I can do it, there's got to be a way I can pull someone with me. And Nikki's the whole time is just like, no, I have to stay here, dude. It's not safe for me to go back with you guys. Um, She misses Micah dearly, but she's like, DL, you cannot do this to me right now. (laughs) You have to put your big boy pants on and (laughs) take care of Micah. And he needs a strong hand and boundaries. Otherwise, he's just going to walk all over you. (laughs) She just tells him to be honest with the kid and tells him to skedaddle. So he skedaddles on out of the cell back home. And while he's off visiting his wife, his son is left unattended and takes a cab to a convenience store and decides to make a little withdrawal from an ATM. Because as we know, Micah can speak with machines. I believe they've been explicit with that as his power, right? Like, we've seen him do it with the phone. Yeah, they they haven't, like, given it a name or anything, but yeah, that's... That's clearly what he's doing. He can he can talk to machines. Yes. Yeah, so we've seen him repair a phone, and now he's doing it to an ATM and making a withdrawal. He starts with a little bit of money to test, and then he takes quite a bit. And um, I'm just going to go immediately to the aftermath of that, where he comes home and deals like, where the hell have you been? <laughs> <laughs> and he was worried sick, but Mike was like, you know, don't worry, Dad. Just, you know, I'm out doing stuff. And DL just lays on him. He's like, listen, I can't be worrying about you. I can't get a job. We can barely pay rent. I just want to be a good dad. We got to make this work, son. All right. They hug it out. And then Micah, like the little shit he is, is like, you know what, dad? Maybe this will help. Unzips his backpack and just pours money onto the bed. And DL's like, where did you get that? And he smiles. Well, you know, you and mom have a secret. So do I. So he's going to let his cat out of the bag to his father. And we will see how that turns out in possibly the next episode or the one after that. I don't remember when we see them again. Uh, it's, well, I don't know when we see Micah and DL again, but um, it's soon. Yeah. yeah, in the near future that will play out. But before I end with Nikki, we have to go back to her in prison. Where she has finally decided after her little meeting with uh, DL to speak to the psychiatrist. And... She's adamant that, like, I need to get rid of Jessica because I need to be there for my son. And so the psychiatrist now wants to talk to Jessica. And Nikki's like, no, that is a terrible idea. (laughs) You do not want to talk to her. And she's like, with multiple personalities, it is important that I speak with the other personality. And either I speak to Jessica or you might not see your little boy for a very long time. And that is pretty much where we leave Nikki right about. She's probably going to let Jessica speak to the psychiatrist. So we'll see how that all plays out next time uh any other commentary on nikki or dl or micah absolutely none except for to say that um, no um i i have nothing to add i have absolutely nothing to add the only things i wrote down were just the plot points of what they did it's i have nothing to say and i'm not going to complain about them again uh i will say however that i have a few things to say about micah and they're not going to be in this episode, but in uh, the first episode of what I guess is kind of going to be a complimentary show or sister show to what we're doing here on Eclipsed. Uh, too many times in doing this and making notes, uh, I've wanted to speak about something in the context of the show as a whole. And that's super spoilery, and not everybody's going to be down with that, maybe, who's listening to this after watching it for the first time along with us. 
So I wanted us to have a space where we could talk about anything in reference to everything. And we are going to call that Painting the Future with Rachel and Keisha. (laughs) Uh, Look for that first episode soon. I will be speaking about Micah for sure. Yes, it should just be on the Eclipse feed. It should hopefully come out on the same day as this, so it'll be right there. Hopefully so. You don't have to subscribe to anything new or anything. This is just, it's just, you know. It's kind of like our Siler bonus episode, except for now it has a title. And, um, and 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 a focus. Yes. And we might not do it with every episode. Nope, just when it seems really necessary, like after last night, it just seemed like really necessary to talk about a few things in reference to the whole show. Yes. But I didn't want to keep dragging us into that territory, because that's not fair. Yes, because who knows, honestly. Like, I think most of the people that listen to this have watched the whole thing. Me too, but I just, yeah, I'm just not sure. And then also... This in in theory will keep us more focused. Yes, <laughs> uh, and by by us, I I always mean me um, <laughs> because I I just will fucking I'll go on so many tangents if you let me. But anyway, we are going to be doing that. I'm really excited to do that because I have a lot to say about several different things in this episode in reference to the entirety of the show. Mm-hmm. One but character in particular. Back to... <laughs> well. A couple. Okay. Um, more more now that I'm thinking about it. But um, but back to your regularly scheduled programming, I have absolutely nothing to add to the Nikki DL conversation. I'm tired of them. I'm bored. Let's move on. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Let's move on to our other favorite married couple, Matt and Janice. <laughs> All right. So, as we remember in the last episode, Matt was Matt told Janice he can read minds and was ready to prove it. And we didn't get to see him prove it, but in that episode, we didn't get to see him prove it. In this episode, we get to see him doing it. And she is, like, laying against him while thinking things in her head, and he's making guesses spot on every time. So she's pretty much bought into the fact that he can read minds. And guess what that causes? Trouble. (laughs) Because uh, Matt continues, and he tells her about his whole experience with the man with the glasses, and... How he's got a serial killer that's being held, you know, in a paper company. And she's like, this is nuts, dude. <laughs> and he's like, I know. <laughs> and he's got a review hearing this morning about that whole incident with the with Primatech. And um, he does something and she kind of gets snippy with him. Like, are you always going to be in my head? And he's like, I can't control this. And she says a great thing. You can't control it or you won't control it. So there you go. And we see... Oh, actually, I remember what it was now. It was, uh... He's like, don't worry, I'll fix the sink later. Or something like that. Or I'll call the plumber. And it was just something that she just had in her head, so... And he, of course, had to answer it because Matt wants to hear everything. So... (laughs) We cut to Matt at his board review. And one of the, um... Directors is like, Is this really what you want on your record? And you can tell Matt wants to say yes, but he overhears the same guy being like, just say yes so I can flush you down the drain. (laughs) So instead, Matt recants his entire statement and they're all like, oh, great. Here's more paperwork for us to do. So instead, he gets a six month suspension of active duty and he has to turn in his gun and his badge, which, of course, Matt isn't very happy about. But, you know, a lot can happen in six months, as we've seen. (laughs) <laughs> that's true 
And so Matt returns home, and when he gets home, that sink is fucked. It's water's going everywhere. <laughs> and so he has to get down to it and fix the sink. And after he fixes the sink, he drops the bomb on Janice that he has been suspended for six months. And he's like, this is just fantastic. I'm about to be unemployed and lose my marriage. Because they had their fight again. And Janice is like, well, I wouldn't say that yet. You know, we just have to learn to trust each other, a.k.a. stay out of my head a little. Okay. <laughs> if only. And um, she's like, before that, though, I'm going to give you one more freebie to read my mind. And so he reads it and finds out that, guess what? They're having a baby. Dun, dun, dun. And that's it for, for Matt in this episode. <laughs> I liked your four-sentence version of it. Like, you honestly could have just done the same thing. But good on you for being detailed. I was like, it's still not very much. I didn't have to be too mm. detailed. Uh, well, it's just, that. yeah, there's just not a lot. Not a lot going on. A couple things here and there. No. As you know, we're not like the biggest fans of Home Life, Matt. But. I just, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. It's whatever. They're having a baby, even though she had an affair. So there's quote comes into question. Is it his baby? You know. And then she's like, stay out of my head. But at the same time, you're the one who cheated on him. Yeah, really. Like, if anyone hasn't earned trust, it's you, Janice. But at the same time, mistakes happen. People make mistakes, as Audrey would say. Sure. Sure. Second chances can be given. So. Mm. Uh, But that's for them to figure (laughs) out, not me. So. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have anything to add to Matt and Janice's little segment here, Keisha? Um, not really. It, it's just, yeah, it, it's pretty much all the stuff that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Just, just hitting those plot points. Um, we gotta take them yeah. now. Oh. Yeah, so. Well, it's like, you know, they're, they're just, they're just really shoving in all the domestic stuff before he gets yanked elsewhere. Yes. Because that's coming pretty soon. Because, yeah, I think in the future, which is mild spoiler, we don't see Janice for a while. No. No. We, there's quite a chunk of time where we don't see Janice anymore. <laughs> Mm-mm. But she does return, so. Yep. yep. Anyway. So, why don't we instead talk about the Cliffhanger King. <laughs> <laughs> cliffhanger King. Hero Nakamura. Keisha, tell us what's up with Hero in this episode. Okay, so there's not... Too much to mention with Hiro and, and Ando as well, but they do have a few little fun things that go on in their story. They are still in New York City. They have one of Isaac Mendez's paintings in a little tube that they're hopefully trying to transport. But before they can do so, they have to face one of the greatest foes of, of anyone who lives in a major metropolitan area uh, overnight parking fees <laughs> no um, that's, 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 where we, that's where we first pop into them is Ando's arguing about the amount that they have to pay for parking and it's like $48 or something like ridiculous uh, yeah you know you, yeah, it's, just, it's just it's just part of big city life um so that happens. Hero's still struggling with using his ability. He pretty much has the yips 
But he's pretty hopeful that if he can just get the sword, then he can focus his power like Takezo Kensei did, and he will achieve his destiny. But he has an interesting little moral quandary that pops up for the first time that he really thinks about. If he needs the sword to access and focus his power, then does he also need the sword to kill the bomb man? Is it his destiny to kill? kind of has a little moment to think about oh damn maybe this is all leading me towards really intense stuff that i really wasn't prepared for because hero has the kind of power where he can when it's working he can stop time he can escape it's very evasive but what if his destiny is to become far more uh, aggressive he doesn't really know what he's gonna do with that and that's gonna come up in a big way later on about whether or not he can kill a man if he knows that man is bad. Mm-hmm. But for now, we don't get to hang out with that thought for too long because they get chased by guys with guns yet again. How many times have they been chased by randos with like <laughs> with like who who want who wanna kidnap them or kill them? They really are going through it, man. This is like the third different group of people who are targeting them for their reasons. I think it's kind of funny. Bad luck. That's just their story over and over (laughs) again. Yeah. So they get chased down by a new group of guys with guns and they try to hide. It's funny. They have this great moment where they try to hide underneath the car, but then the person gets in the car and leaves and they're just like, you know, on the ground. It's like, whoops, totally revealed. So they're trying to escape from the guys. Ando gets grabbed, but this time Hero doesn't run away. So, hey, character growth, character moment. He has this really great moment where he says, release on special Ando. Because, you know, Ando doesn't have a power. Hero's the one they would want, right? So they grab Hero as well. And they're all in the back of a van. And Hero's trying to express to them that, hey, tell your boss or whoever, I'm on a very important mission. This needs to go down. I, I, you know, you need to not get in my way. Come on, just be cool. Just be cool. It's just like Hero saying, like, just be cool. And you think it's probably maybe Linderman's guys at first, because that seems very on brand. But um, all we get is is uh, this guy who speaks to them in Japanese, which is, you know, which is fun, that their boss really needs Hiro to stop doing what he's doing, to stop going on the path that he's on. And when you think it's Linderman, it's really obvious by the end of season one why you would want that to be. But... We find out that the big boss man is not, in fact, Linderman. It's Hero's dad, who is played by one of another in our great pantheon of nerdy icon Hero's guest stars, Mr. George Takei. Ooh. Oh, my. All right. <laughs> so that wasn't my impression. I didn't do it. Um, so... <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it's not the cliffhanger, but it could have been because, holy shit, Hero's dad is there. He is going to have a confrontation with his son. He's not happy with what he's doing. I'm excited to see more. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all that happens is they just they, they run around, they get chased, they get caught again. Um, but there's there's a few little like new things sprinkled in there to make it a little different now that we're further along in the season. But uh, did you have any thoughts about Hero and Ando? They're not in the episode too much. No, just um, I like that the 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 guy in the van was like, 
here's two first class plane tickets back to Tokyo. And Anna was like, first class? <laughs> He's like, ah? <laughs> he was like, no. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, on special Ando. Come on. Yeah, so that was great. And yeah, we got George Takei. This show doesn't fuck around when it comes to its guest stars. It really doesn't. No, it does not. I think there's another decently big one in the next episode or the one after that coming what up. What character are you thinking of? A certain bus driver. But I don't remember when that happens. I thought it was this season. Oh, hells, bells. Yeah, I think it is this season. I think I know. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I believe that was season one. Damn. Now, now I gotta... Gotta figure that out. Anyways, um, that's pretty much where we leave off with Hiro and Ando and their story. But there's plenty of stuff going on elsewhere in New York City. Rachel, what's going on with with uh, Peter, with our favorite empathic sponge? <laughs> well, we get to meet up with the emo sponge exactly where he, we left him in the last episode, which is confronting Claude. And Claude being like, what the hell? I'm invisible. How can you see me? <laughs> so we get to see their minor, minor struggle. And um, Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can just do what you can do. And Claude's like, oh, my. F- fantastic. One of those. <laughs> and he, he lets him go. And Peter's like, oh, you have to help me, please. Like, something bad is going to happen, you know, etc. And he's like, no. <laughs> I am not going to help you, kid. Stop it. Don't follow me anymore. I'm invisible for a reason. <laughs> Smarter men have tried to follow me and they have paid for it. And so we see he lets Claude disappear into the crowd as he reappears, which I, w- <laughs> I would have loved to know what the guy who walked past him to see him slowly reappear was thinking, you know? Me too. That's one of my favorite things. It's like, what the, <laughs> what is that guy thinking? <laughs> like, what? What's going on there? Oh man, had too much something that day, I guess. So, instead, let's go to Mohinder's apartment, where he's busy working on his research and gets a knock on the door. And guess who's at his door? If you guess Peter, you're wrong. It's Nathan. (laughs) It's Nathan who's there to pay him a visit. And, um, well, Mohinder's like, I'm surprised you came here. And Nathan's like, yeah, I remember you yelled at my car. (laughs) And Mohinder's like, I wasn't in a great place then. So, I'm sure I look like a crazy person. But clearly... You know, you know that what I'm talking about is real. And Nathan mostly is there because he's there looking for Peter. Because he knew Peter went to Mohinder before. And Mohinder's like, sadly, Peter's not here. I thought he was with you. (laughs) And Nathan's about ready to leave. But Mohinder manages to sort of keep him there a little longer. Talking about the list. And a little bit about Peter. And his father's research. And he's like, Peter's on the list and so are you. And Nathan's like, we're not here to talk about me right now. (laughs) so what do you think about what peter can do and he says that peter is like a sponge as we've said or a mimic and he's like yeah if he absorbs too many powers that could be bad or or if he absorbs the wrong one that could be bad and nathan is very interested in knowing if peter can be fixed and mohinder is like if i if we can find peter and he'll let me you know do some tests on him not only can i probably fix him if i can fix him i can fix any of you So, that's a lovely little carrot to dangle in front of Nathan. So, back to Peter. We see Claude on a rooftop, feeding some pigeons. And Peter shows up there and he's like, sup. (laughs) And this is not just any roof. This is Charles DeVoe's roof. 
Mm-hmm. Claude is hanging out in the place where Peter used to work. And uh, he's like, come on, this is kind of like fate that you're up here. And Claude's like, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a great little, like, Luke Skywalker to Yoda moment of him, like, please, you need to teach me. And he's like, I'm out of the teaching games, son. I can't <laughs> teach you. I can't teach what you need to know. They get into an argument, and Claude's like, you know what? I could kill you right now. That'd fix it. Get the hell out of my face. <laughs> so Peter leaves. Again. And we... He goes to his apartment and packs, because again, he's going to get the hell out of New York. He's probably going to start heading toward that desert. And who should find him at his apartment but Nathan and Mohinder? And Nathan just lets himself in. No knocking, he just lets himself in. He's got a key. And, um... That was one of my all-caps statements. I don't know if you saw that in my notes. Let's just check his apartment, unlocks, let self in. I I was like, no one has any respect for people's homes. They're just a bunch of Johnny Walkerites. <laughs> If Nathan had a key to Mohinder's door, he'd have left himself right the fuck in. You know that. Fucking honestly. <laughs> if it was unlocked, he just would have been like, ugh. He probably tried the knob first and was like, all right, knock, knock. Okay. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. So they Fucking come in people. and they're like, let let us help you, Peter. And Peter's just like, how the hell are you going to help me? And I do not have time to be your guinea pig because I'm about to blow up. And uh, Nathan's like, well, you know, you can't run if you're in a prison cell. And, well, Nathan, you going to call the cops on me? And he's like, well, I can't call the cops on you about this, but I can say my mentally ill brother needs to be detained for his own safety. Ah! <laughs> and Peter's like... That was the statement that made me sure I needed to mention volume four, Nathan, in some way. <laughs> oh, yes. Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> uh... So Peter like pulls him aside a little is like, listen, Nathan, I know you're my big brother and you want to fix everything, but you can't fix this. And then, he, then Peter kind of is like, okay, you know, what? all right, Nathan, you're right. I'm going to come with you. Cause he's like, if I try to resist here, they're going to pull something on me. <laughs> so he starts to like cooperate. And then he just, as soon as he gets a chance, books it out his apartment door and almost instantly vanishes. <laughs> and, uh, Nathan has a guard outside, and he's like, where the hell did he go? And he's like, where the hell did who go? <laughs> so they're like, oh, freaking great, you're supposed to watch the door. And we see, like, um, Mohinder looking out this open window, kind of probably wondering, like, dude, did he just fly away? <laughs> <laughs> and no, that is not what happened. Even though it could have happened, because Nathan was there. But instead, guess who else was there? Claude. Claude intercepted Peter as soon as he ran out that door, pinned him against the wall, and shut his mouth. Because apparently Claude has had a change of heart. And so after Nathan and Mohinder leave, they're back in Peter's apartment, and Claude's kind of checking it out a little bit. He's like, oh, great. A nurse who's an empath. How cute. And (laughs) Peter's like, what? Shut up. Whatever. He's like, you know what? You're a pain in my ass, mate. And um, he's like, well, how did you find me? And I thought you weren't a people person. And he's like, well, I followed you, and yeah, I'm not much of a people person, but I'm not going to let you kill them all, Peter. So, Claude has agreed to teach him, and Peter questions how many people he's taught before him, because Claude claims that he has taught people before him, but he doesn't get into that detail. Instead, he's just like, come on, mate, I'll steal us a cab. (laughs) And so, that is the beginning of Luke's sort of Jedi training. Oh, I'm so excited. I I love that whole bit so much. Yes little change of heart so good yeah and that's 
basically it for the New York squad. Peter's got a little hope in his life right now. Do you have any extra things to add in this episode anyway about it, Keisha? <laughs> uh, thank you for fucking quantifying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... <laughs> no, um... Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. So, I, I feel like it's worth noting that Mohinder doesn't just say that Peter's a sponge, which he is. They're putting, like, a, a term, a name to what he is and what he can do. He says that his DNA is like a mosaic, mm, which yes. is so cool. And I, I always liked thinking of how that works in reference to, say, other characters who have many powers at the same time. <laughs> the differences therein, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I always thought that was cool, and then um, I could just I could talk about Claude for ever so long. I I've forgotten how much I really enjoy Christopher Eccleston on the show. He's he's an absolute delight. I I, I like I'm really excited for their little training montages, and uh, I love that when he goes into his apartment, and he's all like, ah, "Guy like you could do a lot better than this with your family connections." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, class war." <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry about it. Uh, and then, uh, oh, um, when he realizes that Claude has, in fact, dealt with many people like him, Peter does this little, like, half-smile thing. It just kills me. I was like, oh, you're so excited to go on your little Skywalker journey, aren't you? <laughs> oh. Because you think about it, he's just been surrounded by people who either want to explain him or contain him. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool that he gets to be around someone who is going to challenge him, yes, but also is going to, in theory, help him grow as the person he is now. Yeah, he hasn't encountered a whole lot of people that are like, Woo! This is awesome. No. No, no, not really. Not in, like, a meaningful way. Or interact with so, them for a long amount of time, anyway. Yeah, like, Claire was like, oh, you're cool, you're like me. But then, you know, Bennett was like, you know, tap, 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 let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said his name, but I'm not gonna, so, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was, that's all I had in my notes that was, like, worth mentioning. That was a little different from yours. But, um, yeah. Go go Team New York. I, I really like Nathan and Mohinder as a team. They're, they're a fun duo that pop up a few times. Mm, yes, they are. The show. They are. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the man who shall not be first named, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be talking about him a little bit here, Keisha. Why don't you tell us what's happening in Texas? I am. Okay. Mostly we see Claire stuff in this part of the episode, but we will check in with HRG a little bit. Uh, The first thing we see him do is he checks in on how our our favorite little friend Siler's doing. If you recall in the last episode, not well, and not well this week. He is all kinds of not good he's like twitching and just like on death's door practically and so hrg informs hank that he is to keep him stabilized that if he crashes you just bring him back again and again and again and again and all i could think was oh it's fucking dark face of evil like shit (laughs) but you know with with good reason he tried to kill his daughter or whatever so anyway (laughs) (laughs) I guess. So anyway, uh, mostly Claire stuff. Uh, mostly her rebuilding her friendship with Zach, which if you've listened to the show, you know I'm a big, big supporter of. Um, basically, 
yeah, they're just they're just kind of going through and uh, trying to rebuild their their lost friendship, which is great, but it's also really perilous because that would be very suspicious to have Zach hanging around the house again when uh, supposedly they're not supposed to even be friendly anymore after what the Haitian did because he took all of his memories of that time. As far as Zach should know, uh, he and Claire haven't spoken since they were kids. High school changes us all. So it's kind of a little balancing act that Claire has to do around, well, her father, who used to be not only the person she trusted the most, but the person she was the closest to. And to have to be so, I guess, deceitful, it's a new thing for her. And it's interesting to see her in this episode have to lay down new boundaries with him as well. It kind of breaks my heart a little bit when she says she's too old for the bears of the world. Oh, it's their special, it's their special little thing. But yeah, so what they do is, uh, thankfully, you know, they are in high school, so obviously you can just lie and say you have a school project to do together, and no one can question that at all. So they come up with this idea that they're doing a research project on manatees. <laughs> it's like the most random thing to just pull out of the air to do a science project on, but that's supposedly the reason why he's hanging around again, when really... Uh, he and Claire are, yeah, they're reforming their friendship, and also Zach is getting involved in the hunt for Claire's real parents, which is something that she's on again, especially now that she can't really trust her adopted father. So she ends up meeting with the Haitian, and she asks him if he knows who her parents are. And he's like, hey, so your mom, she died in an explosion. Your dad, don't know anything about him. And it's like, all right. So she's she goes under that impression for a little bit. But then she comes to, you know, do a little research along with Zach. And they realize that there's a name in an old newspaper article about the person who was in that explosion. So they go about trying to track down a Meredith Gordon, who by episode's end, Claire gets to speak to on the phone. I love that they're doing their research at the Burnt Toast Diner, by the way. It's a nice way to keep it involved. Mm, like, mm-hmm. It's such a great little important set piece for the show, not just, you know, the scene of Charlie's murder. So they're doing their research. They find Meredith Gordon. She actually gets to speak to her on the phone. At first, Meredith's like... Oh yeah, you know the you know I don't I don't know who you're talking about. Meredith Gordon's you know dead. Blah blah blah. She just lies, but it ends up being her when she when Claire admits that hey I'm the baby I didn't die and I'm looking for the other person. She gets to speak to her real mom, and that's going to become important because we are just absolutely on the track of Claire finally realizing who her actual biological parents are. That's going to become a big part of the show in the next few episodes. She is going to find out who her dad is as well. But right now, she's going to form a relationship with her real mother. So that's lovely. It's a nice little moment. But yeah, it's definitely her drawing her line in the sand against Mr. Bennett now that he's betrayed her trust in such a significant way. And for good reason. He was just being an overprotective dad. And... Fairly so. 
but obviously with the means at his disposal are a lot more intense than most people's parents. So, <laughs> you know, can go a little too far. Uh, something that's fun, Meredith Gordon is played by Jessalyn Gilsig, another Glee alum on Heroes, or pre-alum? Pre-alum? <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, Glee wasn't a thing yet, so, <laughs> but a couple people show up from, uh, from Glee on Heroes, so that's fun. But going back to Bennett and his, <laughs> it's funny, it's like how he had his no good, terrible, horrible, very bad day but also everyday sense because like he's trying to balance out his work stresses and his home stresses. And he really doesn't like that. Claire's starting to distance herself from him much in the way that normal teenagers do anyway, regardless of these very, very special circumstances. But back in his work stress, he gets a phone call at a certain point in the episode and uh, it's Hank. And he's like, well, Siler's dead. And then it's just like, well, well, that's not ideal. <laughs> I just, I just love his like really chill. Just like, Oh crap. And so um, they're like, what do we do with the body? And he's like, well, prepare it for shipment. And I was just like, ship it where? Where are they going to ship it? Did you ever wonder that? Did you ever sit down and wonder that now? Mm, like I did. True. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are they going to like dump him back in his apartment? Like they dumped Eden. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Maybe. Because, like, Eden, Eden was, you know, essentially, like, a girl on the run, a runaway, kind of, you know? Um, so it didn't matter where her body wound up, but I was like, yeah, they could just dump him back in his weird-ass apartment and say he killed himself or whatever. But, yeah, so that was just something I really had fixated on this time. I was like, where are they going to ship him? Like, <laughs> was there, like, an Indiana Jones vault somewhere? <laughs> like... There might be. With the they had bodies barrels. of people like him. They well, they did have barrels. Um, <laughs> so that just brings me to Breaking Bad thoughts. I don't want to think about that. Um, <laughs> nothing good happens in apparel. So we think Siler's dead, but I mean, if if you're just paying attention to even just this episode, we already said like, guess what? He's not. Um, he, <laughs> he basically okay. So the way they film it, they film it like he's resetting himself, like a watch. It's not subtle. Um, the ticking even starts up again when his eyes open. Uh, so it's like, oh shit, he's not dead. And we get this really great moment later on where Bennett shows up. And, you know, it's so funny. He could just let it be. He could just not go into that cell. (laughs) Not look under that sheet. But... He's going to gloat. He's going to gloat over the corpse of the guy who tried to kill his daughter. And by doing so, finds out when he lifts the sheet, oh, fuck, that's Hank. Hank is super dead. And he turns around and Siler's in the corner of his cell and he's just like, how's Claire? And that's our cliffhanger for this week. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think that they'll have a very mature conversation. Uh, they'll, they'll come to understand and respect each other's difference. Oh, no, wait, no. Siler's gonna fuck him up. Uh, Rachel, did you have any thoughts about this part of the episode? Um, there is one thing you, you failed to mention. What Meredith can do. But what can Meredith do, Rachel? Yes, uh, we see Meredith light her cigarette mm. with her fingers. She's a fire starter. That is why... She's a fire starter. Yes, a fire starter. That is why she did not die in a fire. 
fire cannot kill the dragon. <laughs> their fire cannot burn the dragon. What the fuck ever. Uh, <laughs> yes. See, she's the third thing I need to talk about in our side episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, I'm interested for that. Like, I know what I know. What uh, I have an idea for what Micah might be. I know what Nathan is. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're going to talk mm-hmm. about in Meredith. So. It's just, it's not a lot. It's just kind of like, just, I don't know. I have a, a like a thing to mention. I might not even mention it, but definitely Micah and Nathan. Okay. So. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I think that was, it was like, oh, she didn't say what she could do. She's a fire starter. So we know Claire's mother does in fact have an ability like she does. Oh, I didn't. I didn't mention the uh, the Haitian bat signal either. She has to hang up some wind chimes in the window when she wants to meet with him. Which, which HRG sees in her window. <laughs> he sure does. And he has like a moment of pause, and we don't know if like does he know what that means? Does he not know what that means? I don't know. Yeah, I think that despite her best efforts, he's definitely suspicious because it's his it's who he is. It's his job. Yes. Even though she's she did a damn good job of covering oh, yeah, all no. of her bases, tries to give her that manatee book. She already has it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. Yeah. I don't think so, I have anything else to add. Uh, yeah. So Claire's on a, a big journey to finally understand exactly where she came from. And there's nothing but repercussions for that in the future. Especially who her father is. (gasps) Who is the daddy? (laughs) (laughs) Did they, like, play with that a little bit? I don't remember if they played a little bit with, um, like, who's the father or something. No, I think they did, but I also could just be making that up in my head. I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. No, I think they might have a little bit because I remember seeing like ads that showed Meredith. I don't know. I don't know. I could just be making sure. But then, like, I'm trying to think of like who would have been the candidates that we already knew. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like not really anyone except for the person who it is. Like, you know. Yes. Or you could have just assumed that, like Meredith, it would be someone we've not met yet. That's true. Spoiler alert, it's someone we've met. <laughs> it's 100% someone we already know quite well. Yes. Pretty easy to narrow it down. It's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I still think at the time it was kind of like, it was shocking at the time the reveal, but we'll talk about that when the reveal happens. I oh, I can't remember. I think I already had guessed it, and I was like, well, that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I can't remember. It's like the whole, like, hindsight thing, you know? It's so easy to be like, oh, I totally knew, but I don't fucking remember if I knew or not. I'm on the team that I didn't know. I'm fairly sure that that it was shocking to me at the time. But made sense. It was like, oh, oh, okay, I got you, fam. Oh, it makes, like, total sense. Mm -hmm. So there's that. But, yeah, big, uh, big repercussions for who her family is. Big. But that's for another uh, day. It's for another day. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't have anything else to mention for this episode. I think, I think we're good. Yes? Yeah. I, don't, I can't think of anything else that we, that I or you glazed over. So. Yeah. Nothing too important. And if it was important, we'll talk about it in our old business for the next episode. Hell yeah. That works pretty well. So thank you for listening to Eclipse to Heroes podcast. 
we are going to be starting up our, our sister episodes, sister podcasts, something to do so we can blather all of our spoilery shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Painting the Future with Rachel and Keisha. Look for it. It's going to be just on the feed. We are going to be doing one with this episode. We're not going to be doing them with all the episodes, like Rachel said earlier. But some of them really merit it. Because if you are doing a rewatch for the uh, umpteenth time like we are, you just really can't help but notice certain parallels that need to be discussed in the grand scheme of things. So we're going to do that. Because I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> but don't worry, we're still going to mention Arthur Petrelli all the time in the regular episode. <laughs> oh, you know who needs? You know who didn't get mentioned at all this episode? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. 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 Don't worry, the ghost of Arthur Petrelli will continue to haunt the main episode. <laughs> so, uh, going back to what the hell we were saying? Yeah. So, get ready for some very deeply spoilery discussions. Uh, I'm really excited to have. Uh, yes on our side episodes but in the meantime thank you for listening to the main episode we are easily reachable on the socials uh if you would like to follow us uh you can do so on twitter i am at lady underscore snark s-n-a-r-k rachel is that burb there burb with a b like bennett i'm gonna say like bennett every time (laughs) So, yeah, follow us on those for our personal accounts. If you would like to follow our main account over on Twitter, I I swear to God I will get better at posting stuff on. I fucking promise. Um, (laughs) Can we make, like, pandemic resolutions like we make, like, New Year's resolutions? I don't see why not. Oh, my God. I feel like I need to make a pandemic resolution to be better at our social media. Like, no fucking shit. Um, I posted on my Twitter today. That's something. (laughs) Well, you're a good human person. Um, so if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow the show at Eclipsed Podcast, all one word. And feel free to do so. Leave us, you know, give us a tweet or throw a DM our way. If you'd like to email us instead, you can do so at eclipsedpod at gmail.com. Um, we are also on Discord. We will have the server link in the notes for this episode. If you listen to us on any of your favorite podcast apps outside of the one that hosts us, uh, feel free to, you know, give us a, a, a review. A, a five-star rating would be cool if you listen on Apple Podcasts or what have you. I think you can leave comments on Podbean, so. That's cool. Uh, yeah, leave us a, a comment or a view. We'd love to see what people are thinking about the show, and we'll happily read them on the show if you're cool with that. That pretty much wraps up our episode. We're gonna we're gonna shift into spoilery mode, but you're, you're gonna have to flip over to another episode for that. But we're we're about to get into it over here. Trust me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all geared up. But thank you for joining us for Eclipsed, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time on Eclipsed, Hiro tries not to get beamed back up to Tokyo. Siler takes on the new part-time job. Isaac can't stop painting his ex's one-night stand. Claire continues to learn all about manatees, and Claude gives Peter a push in the right direction. Tune in. <laughs>